AO. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Back from vacation. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is the CHGO White Sox community leader. It is the All-Star break. Tonight is the Home Run Derby, and we'll be talking about the uh, All-Star game tomorrow with a live All-Star game pre-game show and post-game show with Luke Stuckmeyer and Cody Delmendo of the CHGO Cubs show. But yesterday was the first and second round of the MLB draft, and ongoing is the middle rounds of the 2022 MLB draft and two go over and recap some of the picks the Sox have made so far is James Fox from Future Sox. You can follow James on Twitter at JamesFox917. What's up, James? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. You guys did a great job, you and Josh Nelson, on Twitter Spaces, along with Mike Rankin and other guests from uh, Sox Machine and Future Sox. Also, congrats on the the junction there. Congrats on the marriage between you and, and, and Sox Machine. I know it's a little bit late, but congrats on that. Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, you know, it's really good. Josh and uh, Jim, they do great things over there. You know, it just kind of helps me and Mike, you know, stay afloat, basically. Uh, you know, um, we, don't, we don't do a ton of the big league stuff, but, you know, our podcast drops every Tuesday now pretty consistently. So, you know, that's, that was, I think, the main part for us. Like, we'll have a weekly show where before we were just kind of recording whenever and it wasn't consistent. So this is probably best for everybody. And uh, James, before we get into the specific people who the White Sox picked yesterday and today, I've always wondered, like, I know Mike Shirley is the guy for White Sox and far, as far as recruiting and uh, drafting and scouting these guys, but I know it's a collaborative effort, but is it Mike Shirley's final call or is that on Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn to pull the trigger on these amateur draft picks? Yeah, so every like every scouting department is different. Like there's a lot of teams like San Diego, AJ Preller makes the first 10 picks. Like pretty much, you know. You know, I think it's like a community effort. Like I know that Nick Hostetler had a lot of say. Mike Shirley like last night was a Mike Shirley pick. I mean, they haven't taken a prep pitcher in the first round since 2001. And I think we made the joke last night like these Mike Shirley drafts like hit a little bit different. And that doesn't even mean that it's, like, good or bad. It's just different. Like, this is different. Like, 6'9", high school lefty in the first round. They haven't done that in 20 years. So, I would say he has a lot of influence. Like, he makes a recommendation. And then I think they generally would go with that recommendation unless there's an issue. But, look, I mean, there, there have been, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Kenny Williams being involved in the draft process. Like, when Nick Hostetler was there and then there was a change made. So, I, I think they're pretty united. Um, and then once you get into today and tomorrow, it becomes like your area scouts draft. You know, it's kind of like, okay, like who's got a guy they want, like in this round, like who's got a guy in this round. And like, you know, that's in, uh, in conversations with Chris Geth too. Like, Hey, what do we need? Like in the bottom of the, Hey, we could use two catchers. Okay. So like those conversations take place too, as you move on further. And one thing that you tweeted out before coming on the show was in the first six rounds, they've gone with, you know, 
uh, six players that are in the top 250 in the MLB draft. You said that you found that interesting. Um, is that a Mike Shirley thing, you think? Or is that just, you know, uh, due to the constraints of now the MLB draft, uh, you know, the way th- how they pushed back the actual draft date from June to July, um, and then also just with COVID and, and all these issues uh, that players have had to deal with over the past two years, like, is part of them going with kind of known talent part of the fallout from this? So it seems like it's just like a fallout from like them having the third lowest bonus pool in the league. They don't have very much money to spend. And look, they didn't have that much last year either, but they still did this stuff where like last year they took Colson Montgomery and they gave him like the slot amount in the first round. Then they went over slot on West Cath in round two, over slot on Sean Burke in round three, over slot on Tanner McDougal in round five to the point where you're taking college seniors in round six through 10 you pay those guys $10,000 each because they don't really have any leverage. And then you use all that money to pay for the guys you've already taken. That's been the Sox strategy is to do stuff like that. This time, I mean, we're like through six picks. Um, the first six picks, all of them were on MLB Pipeline's top 250. So it seems like they're playing it more straight where like they're going to give closer to the slot amount to like all this, all six of their picks. So you know, I don't think there's like a right or a wrong strategy, but again, it's like, it's different. And Mike Shirley hinted towards this Friday. He talked to the media and he said like, we're preparing to play it straight because of our small bonus pool. Now, two days before the draft, it's like, okay, like, I, you know, I don't really know if this guy's honest or like tell, being truthful or not. Uh, but, but it seems to be ringing to form so far. So, um, you know, and, and the way this draft, like the first 10 rounds, that's your bonus pool. And then anything on day three, anybody that you give more than 125000 to, the overage counts towards the, the first 10. So that's why I always I – don't, I don't really like judging draft classes until, like, all 20 picks are made because you can kind of see what teams are, are doing then. And that's what I was going to ask you. In the NFL, they usually say, wait three years before you judge a draft class in particular – basketball it's pretty immediate what about MLB drafts like when will we see the fruits of a typical draft not necessarily the White Sox draft here but a typical draft when we usually say okay they they failed here or they passed here yeah I think still years but I mean like I don't know like they've had a lot of success with like even some of those seniors that they've taken that are like people joke that like you know you give Jared Kelly three million dollars and you punt the rest of your draft and, like, I've said it, too, but it's not really fair because some of those seniors that they've taken, they've developed and turned into, like, the second piece in, like, a big trade. Like, Bailey Horn was sent to the Cubs, um, you know, in a trade last year. Avery Weems was one of those guys. He was the second piece in the Lance Lynn trade. So, I, I mean, to answer the question, it's years. But the, the thing that's different about the baseball draft is that it's, like, all about money, right? So, for, like, ran, like if you're just sitting there watching the draft and you're like, oh, the – you know, the number nine player in the draft is available. Like, just take him, right? Because that's how it would be in any other draft. And baseball is not like that. Because mm-hmm. that guy probably has some bonus demand, and he's got college, like, on the table, right? So, you know, it's not always about best player available in baseball. It's kind of a fallacy. I always look at it as, like, you know, you, you want to try to acquire the most talent that you can sign, like, with your, like, available pool space, basically. And then you go from there, and look, we don't know if any of these guys are going to be any good for years, but – you know, at least if you could, it's like a process over results thing, right? Like, at least if you can, like, make sense of what they did, you know, then then it's, you know, probably acceptable for now, and then we'll see how the players do going forward. 
And I want to talk a little bit now about Mike Shirley's first round uh, ideas, or at least maybe his, his uh, you know, uh, what's it called? His, his uh, plans and just what he's been doing. Uh, they go, I think his first pick was Garrett Crochet back in 2020. And then yes, uh, last year he goes with a prep uh, bat in Colson Montgomery. And then obviously that's been paying off so far. He's got a 50 game uh, base on straight uh, game on base streak. And then he goes with the prep arm this year. Uh, what is the idea or at least seeing two prep kids going for the Sox uh, in, in three of Mike Shirley's drafts? Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely different, right? Mike Shirley, like, premium upside and it seems like you know in this draft like look noah noah schultz has detractors for sure and you know he's six foot nine guys that big just don't don't make it as starters usually now i would come back with and this isn't even me like defending the kid i'm just saying like how many guys his size are even attempting to pitch right like i've seen today like oh like randy johnson and chris young are the only ones i'm like okay but how many guys have truly failed or are like six, eight dudes just not pitching normally. Yeah, like he's he's definitely a unicorn. Like, so like I get it, but it is premium upside. Like at the 26th pick, I think had he pitched all spring, I mean, he was rumored like in the top 15 early in the year. And then a lot of people kind of thought that he, he was just going to go to Vanderbilt, which I didn't really think that because he pitched all summer. Like usually guys that are going to campus, like just stop, they stop pitching and he'd like, you know, he'd be going to campus and, you know, he pitched for the uh, the Sparks, which is, like, you know, one of the big travel teams in the area. So, you know, I would just say the difference is, like, for Nick Hostetler drafts, they went with college player, college hitters in the first round, and they took college players mostly in the second round, too. And I think, like, I think Nick gets a little bit of a bad rap for that because I think it was, like, a bit of an organizational mandate at the time. Like, you know, we have to broaden this system and get baseball players in there and go with older guys. You know, and plus, like, Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't always like paying prep guys, like, in the top five because they're expensive. This is this is different. It's a welcome change, though, for sure. Like, it's definite because even the year they took Garrett Crochet, you know, they spent $3 million on Jared Kelly. It hasn't totally worked out. Kelly's been a little bit better this year. But, I mean, that's $3 million in round two. They've taken a ton of prep talent the last three years, which is, like, a big deviation from what they were doing before. And what I've been hearing about the second round pick, Peyton Paulette, I hope that's how you pronounce his name, is that he would have been a first round pick if he didn't get injured. Give us more about the guy from Arkansas, a little undersized, not 6'9", like the first round pick, but Peyton Paulette seems like a good prospect to have in the White Sox system. Yeah, so, like, these comps are all hilarious, like, on this stuff, right? <laughs> like, like MLB Pipeline, like, get, get like compared him to Walker Bueller. It's like, all right, guys, like... You know, he's similar in stature. He is a little, like you said, he's 6'1". Um, yeah, had he, had he not had Tommy John this year for Arkansas, he's, he probably goes in the teens, I think. Um, he was pretty good. He's one of these, like, big stuff guys, though, that didn't really – he didn't have a ton of results. So, so there is, like, a lot of projection left. But, I mean, at 62, I mean, it's totally worth it. I mean, you got basically two first-round talents. So we're not going to see him this year i mean hopefully he's throwing you know in spring training next year and then he should be able to go out to a full season like you'll you'll hear about him at Canapolis, but i mean it's totally worth it. i was hoping that they would go with one of these college arms that got hurt because there's like a whole bunch of college arms in this class that might have been first rounders that all broke this year and mike surely talked about that on friday he just you know he said like the pitching landscape is it's just different. All these guys are max effort in college. A lot of them are breaking down a lot sooner. But the White Sox clearly aren't afraid 
you know, of taking a guy that's already had Tommy John just because, like, they're probably going to have it. So, you know, if, if it's already happened, you know, I think it's unlikely to happen a second time. So, you know, like, you get that out of the way, like, before they enter your system instead of, like, it happening, like, once they're, you know, once they're with you. I know the White Sox back when Todd Steverson was the uh, hitting coach, his hitting philosophy would filter all the way down to the minor leagues. Is that the same thing with the pitching staff? So Ethan Katz and all of his core velocity stuff filters down the minor leagues, or is there somebody else who's taking all the pitchers and uh, developing them through his system? So they have a pitching coordinator, like for the uh, org, his name's Everett Tiford. Um, you know, and then they have Matt Zaleski, who's the pitching coach at Charlotte. He's very well respected. But yeah, it sounds like it's Ethan Katz's philosophy going all the way down. I mean, Mike when Mike Shirley talks, I keep referencing this, but you know, he said Friday that Ethan Katz was up in the draft room looking at looking at pitchers, like on film. You know, maybe that's Peyton Paulette and Noah Schultz. Who knows? But like, you know, my guess is they're not taking a guy that you know that Ethan Katz is like, no, like I don't like that guy. You know, like it is you know, it kind of becomes a group effort at some point because you're drafting guys that are going to help the White Sox at some point. And, you know, I think regardless of what happens with the manager and the rest of the coaching staff, like over the next few years, I think Ethan Katz is probably going to be here, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like he has full reign to do what he wants. And the pitching lab, they seem very high on, and especially the results they've gotten from Davis Martin and Jimmy Lambert, uh, seems like they're confident that they could turn guys with high stuff um, into full-fledged you know, guys, and that goes with Tanner McDougal, who they drafted last year, Paulette, who has that high spin uh, spin rate curveball. Um, any other picks that, like, surprise you? Is Jonathan Cannon fit in there as well, the, the third-round pick that they had at 101? Yeah, so Jonathan Cannon's super interesting. He was rated 60 at MLB Pipeline. Um, I think he's more of, like, a mid-rotation starter, maybe back-end. He's not, he's not, like, a premium stuff guy, but he, he doesn't really walk anybody, you know, and it's it's a good enough amount of strike. I mean, he's 60s, rank 60 to get him where you got him is pretty good. Like, I'm curious to see what they paid him. Um, you know, he was definitely a guy that was mentioned in the late, late first, you know, earlier in the college season, and then for whatever reason he fell a little bit. But, yeah, I really like that. And, I you know, I tweeted about it early, just like he's one of the guys that I would have considered um, – not that, not that I'm right. I just, you know, you, you start looking at this, like, top right. 100 list, and he's one of the top guys there, and, you know, they're looking for pitching. So, you know, that made a little bit – that made a lot of sense to me. Like I said, I mean, they drafted a bunch of guys that are, that are ranked, I guess, which is better than drafting guys off the board, right? I mean, Jim Callis and all these guys have, have done this stuff for a long time. So, yeah, I think, I think Jonathan Cannon's a pretty good pick, especially, like, in a system – that just doesn't have much pitching. The White Sox absolutely have a plan right now to just like add like upper end pitching to it. Cause some, like some of these guys could be, you know, in double a, like as early as next year, some of these college guys. Well, they have five of the six guys uh, so far drafted pitchers. So, I mean, you, obviously they have that need and are trying to fill it. Um, but are you surprised? I mean, we see Tucker Tillman go in 77th. Um, and I thought that he was going to be yeah. a guy in play at 26. Um, and he ends up going to the Blue Jays well after the Sox pick at 62nd. So, um, A, were you surprised that Tucker didn't go to the Sox in the first round? Um, and B, are you surprised that they didn't end up getting him in the second? Or is that just, you know, slot differences right there? And Tillman would have wanted you know, wanted so much more compared to Paulette. Yeah, so Tolman's an LSU commit, and, like, they're going to be a monster. Like, for anybody that follows college baseball, there's a bunch of name, image, and likeness stuff. Like, 
coming out of LSU. Now, he's going to sign with Toronto. They wouldn't have taken him if he wasn't. He had a big number, I heard, between $2.5 million and three. Um, I thought that's who the Sox were taking. I put him in my mock draft. You know, I had heard from a lot of people they really liked him. To me, what it seems like is they they chose Noah Schultz. They figured they could get Noah Schultz signed, and they decided to go that route instead of Tolman. And then, you know, they, they probably couldn't get it done in the second round because of the low bonus pool. My guess is, like, Toronto had two extra picks because they lost Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray. They have some more money to play with. My guess is Toronto gives him like two and a half million still at that 77 spot. And they probably had a deal worked out ahead of time. And that's what ended up happening. And the Sox just decided to prioritize pitching. I just, I don't think Paulette is going to come in over 2 million. You know, I just think they're limited. I I don't think that was part of the strategy this year to go way over in round two again, and then, you know, take cheap guys later to pay for it. At the time that we're recording this, the White Sox have six picks, five of them being pitchers so far. What can you tell us about the shortstop Jordan Sprinkle out of UC Santa Barbara, the gaucho? Yeah, so he's a guy that was actually, like, he got some, like, second-round love, like, early um, in the year, too. Um, he, he's a speedy guy. He, he might be the best uh, college defender at shortstop, like, in the draft. So he's definitely going to be able to go out and play defense right away. Um, probably in the Arizona league for five games or so, but he should finish at Canapolis. And he, the thing with Jordan Sprinkle is um, he's an athlete. He needs a swing change, like really bad. He struggled this year offensively, um, but he does have like decent, like bat speed and exit velocity numbers and stuff. Like he's just, you know, he just didn't hit. So he, you know, he fell down there. It's a lot of upside though. Even like, even if he is just an awesome defender that runs fast, I mean, in the fourth round, like that's a guy that's fine, you know, in your system. I was interested in uh, that one's intriguing because he also just transferred um, to Arkansas in the uh, in the transfer portal. So Sox took him in the fourth. He'll sign like all these guys sign. It's just funny seeing like a lot of these guys like had just transferred and then they get drafted anyway. And they're you know their their time is short lived at their new school basically. Is the NIL just not uh, like incentivizing enough to keep guys from going into the the minor leagues? And are they doing enough to like make the minor leagues? more appealing just with the more money that they have put in recently. I know it's still not enough, um, but is that part of the balance here? Is that just the NIL money isn't enough for some of these guys? Yeah, because, I mean, it's still baseball, right? I mean, some of these, like, quarterbacks are getting crazy money, right? But baseball, like LSU, Tennessee, um, you know, Vanderbilt, some of the big schools, those guys get paid a pretty good amount to, like, go there. But, you know, a lot of these schools just still don't really care that much about baseball. And if you can get – and look, Jordan Sprinkle, my guess is probably 500K, something like that, right? Is He'll go pro. He's already, um, he was a junior, so he could have went to Arkansas, but he probably doesn't make that next year anyway. So time to start his pro career. With other guys, it's a little bit different. Like Andrew Dukanich was a right-handed uh, prep starter out of Indiana. The White Sox were heavily linked to him. Mike Shirley loves his Indiana guys. He struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, he committed to Vanderbilt, pulled himself out of the draft for a guy like him, you know, he could have gotten taken and maybe got 3 million, but he'll be draft eligible two years from now. And if he's in Vanderbilt's rotation, I mean, you're looking at a guy, you know, that could go in the top 15, you make a lot more money than that. So for a guy like that, it's worth it to go to school. But you know, in most cases and Herb, I think you agree with me here. I said this on the draft show last night, somebody's offering my kid like 
one and a half million dollars to sign a baseball contract. Like you're going to sign that baseball contract. College ain't closing anytime soon. So you can always <laughs> go back. Um, and I was wondering, I know, you know, well, if, here real quick, I'm just going to butt in because the Sox in the sixth round uh, just selected Mark McLaughlin out of Tennessee. Um, so I just wanted to slide that in there. In the seventh is it another pitcher? That is another pitcher, right-hander yeah. junior uh, from Tennessee was on the uh, honor roll, uh, the SEC spring honor roll. So congratulations. I got a smart kid. And, from years on past, and I know it was Theo Epstein's uh, philosophy to draft a bunch of college players, especially bats or bats over uh, pitchers. And now it seems with the White Sox drafting, what, six out of the seven picks with all pitchers. And last year, the Angels picking all pitchers in their draft. Is there something going on in baseball where there's been a shift change specifically in the draft? So not for everybody. And it's kind of weird because Mike Shirley said that like, this is like kind of a down pitching draft, which is interesting because he just used six picks out of his first seven on pitchers. And maybe that's because it is right. Like that way. But no, I think a lot of teams like early, like taking position players um, or college pitchers that are close to the majors. I mean, like you can get high school pitchers that are you know, first round talents in the second round a lot of times because teams are scared to death of high school pitchers, especially high school righties. And we talked about it. They just, they all get hurt at some point and you need to get more on your investment. A lot of times it's teams with two picks. You take a guy early, like maybe you take a college bat early. It's like, okay, good. We got one on the board. That's like, we definitely feel good about. Now we'll take this chance, like at this next pick with this, this high school guy. So this is definitely unorthodox what the angels did last year, 19 out of 20 picks pitchers. I don't know if the white Sox are going to go that crazy. Um, but like we talked about, it's like a push and pull between taking the best player and like doing what's right for your organization. And I don't know if you guys have paid much attention to the minor leagues. Like Charlotte has like two starters right now. Like they've been throwing bullpen games like every night because the white Sox are out of pitchers and like, you know, some of it's the five round draft and some of it's like they just they, you know, they dropped the ball and didn't get enough pitchers. But for whatever the reason, it seems like they're going to add a lot of pitching to this system. And they added uh, another Indiana kid, uh, Jordan Schweitzer uh, from uh, Ball State. Uh, what can you tell us about him and uh, Schweitzer? And what can you tell us about him and another Indiana kid from Mike Shirley? Yeah, so it's it's Tyler Schweitzer, I guess. Tyler Schweitzer. Um, yeah, uh, number 210 on uh, baseball or on uh, MLB Pipeline is interesting. He was a reliever for two years. They put him in the rotation for the first time this year. He seems like kind of a back-end lefty is what he, you know, like your typical like back-end soft toss and lefty starter. But his pitch metrics are really good, I guess, with like high spin rates. He was uh, the MAC player of the year this year. He had 112 Ks and 30 walks. So, he, you know, he actually might be okay, and I think – He's the type of guy who in the he'll carve up the low minors like for sure because he knows how to pitch and he'll be against much younger dudes like especially the way the minor leagues have been lately and then you know then you'll see what he is like as as he gets further along but yeah that one I didn't really know much about him and then I I read a little bit before we got on just because it was interesting I mean to win Mac Player of the Year you know it's pretty he had a pretty good year his first year transitioning to start and yes Mike Shirley loves. Indiana players and the Sox have, have always been, you know, I think, I feel like they take ball state players quite often. And like, I know at the beginning of the year, the white Sox 
minor league system was ranked at the bottom. Some had them the actual bottom team as far as an organization. Now we've readjusted. Colson Montgomery's 93 in the top 100. What would you assess the White Sox where they're currently at with their season halfway done on their organizational rankings? Yeah, so it's crazy. Baseball America actually moved Colson up to like 50. So he's like 52, 53, something like that, like in their most recent, which is nuts. You know, I think most people are probably still going to have him bottom five because it's just like not that deep. Um, But it's been a fun system to watch, man. And I've made comments about like, you know, like we've seen 30th ranked farm systems before. And this is like not what that looks like, right? Like, Like I remember when the White Sox top prospect was Addison Reed. And Addison Reed was a good, you know, he was a, he was a good reliever, but he's a reliever. Like that should not be your top prospect. And no, they've had years like that. Nestor Molina was a top five prospect. Like there's dudes in this system. Like Colson Montgomery is really good, and Oscar Colas is a little bit older, but I mean he's tracking to be a big leaguer soon. Uh, Lenin Sosa had had a monster year, and you know we'll see what he is. Like I, I don't know if he'll be back in Chicago. You know now that the White Sox appear like they're back in it, but. You know, that was that was good. You got Brian Ramos and now you're adding a bunch of pitching. So, you know, it's it's a really interesting system um for being ranked kind of as low as it is, but I, there's there's probably a handful I would say that are that are worse right now, especially after this draft. And with the Lunin Sosa thing, I heard people talking about the White Sox really messing up because they've pretty, pretty much started his clock when they brought him up for that cup of coffee. Um and then I heard some rule also that where they can, you know, unstart his clock. Can you explain what happened there and how Lenin Sosa is, uh, as far as his clock is, uh, starting his major league service time? Yeah, so, I mean, they they did burn an option um, a year early, basically. So, like, Lenin Sosa needs to be added to the 40-man this offseason anyway to protect him from Rule 5. He would He would get taken in a heartbeat. So... Like, in December, he was going to be on the roster regardless. And if he doesn't make your big league team next year, like, you're going to use the option there. Well, they brought him up and used it now. I mean, the whole thing is weird. Like, I understand rewarding the kid. I'm glad that he got five days of big league service. Like, if that helps him, great. He got the big league spread, great. Um, It was just a little bit puzzling. And, you know, I'm sure it was, hey, like, get this kid up here so we can see him. And then the manager chose to not play him. And then they were like, all right, whatever, just send him back down. It didn't really make sense for me. Like, if you just needed a body, plenty of guys in that system you could call up and just add them, and then, you know, you discard them five days later. I know that sounds harsh, but it doesn't seem like a move for a top prospect. Others have mentioned, like, a showcase. Okay. Like, I mean, I don't know if those three games, like, made the Reds want him anymore in trade talks. You know, I just – I don't – I've never really understood that. But, yeah, the whole thing's kind of weird. I, I, I don't think it was – I don't think it like is going to hurt anybody going forward. It was just strange. I think that's where you have different uh, facets of your organization pulling on different ropes, right? It's, Hey, who do we have down there? Chris Getz says, Oh, this Sosa like deserves the shot. Okay. Call up Sosa. And then he doesn't play. So um, yeah, the whole thing seemed kind of botched from the start. He's at Charlotte now. So, and he's on the 40 man. So if anything happens to one of these infielders, he's probably the next guy up. One thing that I thought the Sox botched, uh, and it would have affected this draft, you mentioned Robbie Ray. Uh, the White Sox could have qualified Carlos Rodon's offer and could have had a, uh, a compensatory, compensatory pick uh, in this draft, right? Uh, so how would have that worked, and where would have the Sox been uh, ranked? They would have had a third-round pick, right? Yeah, you're going to do this to me right now? 
I, hey, like, I've been doing it to me since it since it this, happened, James. This has been this my off like, season. So this is like the most puzzling decision ever because, like, for all of Rick Hahn's shortcomings, this is like the kind of stuff that he does well. That's why I kind of think this like came above him. Like the whole thing makes no sense. So if they offer Carlos Rodon this qualifying offer, and I have every reason to believe that him and Boris were turning it down no matter what, right? He turns it down, signs elsewhere. Sox get the 80th pick in this draft. You add $800,000 to your bonus pool. Then you're at like the 22nd ranked pool. And, you know, so it's, it's a lot more flexibility. You get another player, you know, at 80 and more money to spread around like we've talked about. The Sox did neither, right? Like they didn't, like I was totally cool with not signing Carlos Rodon. Like if you don't trust that he's going to stay healthy and you know, like Carlos Rodon, you don't think he's going to work hard enough to, fine. Like I get it, but not like extending the qualifying offer made no sense. And basically the bottom line is all it says is they were deathly afraid of paying an awesome pitcher $18 million this year. Because worst case scenario, you offer it to him and he accepts it. Awesome. He's in your rotation on a team that's like trying to win a World Series. I see no downside risk. They disagreed, um, and it it doesn't make any sense. James, I, the only way I've been able to digest it is the fact that I think that they're getting a favor from Scott Boris somewhere. The fact that they get Noah, Noah Schultz. And Noah Schultz. I yeah, mean, like maybe. Look, like I don't know. Like because I so that's interesting too, um, because Noah Schultz I heard like had a big number, like three and a half million, or like I'm going to Vandy. And I tweeted out today, he's not even, I don't even know like if he's getting over slot from the White Sox and their, their numbers like 2.7. So this kid from Oswego basically like changed his mind and decided to sign with his favorite team for like less than everybody else thought, like, and Boris repped him. It's a little strange, like, and it's a little, it's why he wasn't really on my radar. Cause I just, I'm like, they don't have much money. This is what he's asking for. You know, I, I was just, I don't know. It was a little perplexing. I don't hate it. I just. I was a little caught off guard last night to the point where like, you know, I was like sitting there and we weren't on video, but like, you know, like people are feeding me this information and I didn't believe it at first because just because of like, you know, stuff that I knew going up to last night. And James, uh, last thing I got for you is that this season has been very disappointing for me. It's 46 and 46. So they finished strong. There are 503 games behind the twins. What do you see going forward for the white Sox in this second half of this season? Do you think the real team will show up? So I've gone back and forth on this. Obviously, I'm sure you guys have too. Me and Mike have joked that like, we're glad that we don't do the Sox machine podcast and we don't have to talk about this baseball team all the time, you know, like you guys kind of do, but are they back back? I mean, look, they got an easy second half schedule and the Minnesota twins are fraudulent. So yes, like I, I think, I mean, there's your shot, right? You're three back. I mean, look, if they can go 40 and 30 somehow, I don't think that's asking for that much, is it? I mean, they haven't done it yet this year, so maybe, maybe it is too much. But 40 and 30 gets you to 86. I'm not sure the Twins get to 86 with their pitching staff. So, you me, man. Again, you got a shot. I know others disagree. Um, I'm not worried about the Astros and the Yankees until you get there. So, you, you got to get there. And, you know, they have – they really took care of business – uh, this past weekend, you know, everybody would have loved the four game sweep. I would have loved the four game sweep. You had to get three. They got three. They're three games out. You know, I think they're going to add. Um, I, I think they would have added regardless, which would have been annoying. But at least now it's like, OK, you want to go get a lefty reliever for sure. Like, I think they need a starting pitcher. I don't know what they're going to be able to acquire. 
but yeah, I think I think you know they're they're right back in it with uh, what seventy games to go. So it could be a lot worse, man. They'd be buried in any other division. And obviously, we didn't trust Rakan to uh, handle the Carlos Rodon situation properly, and he didn't. So uh, if you were advising him this trade deadline, uh, which players are off the market for uh, for prospects? Like, is Colson Montgomery completely off the board, or could you be, you know, are you including him in a Juan Soto trade only? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. For Juan Soto, you can take him. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing with the thing with Juan Soto is they're not going to pay him anyway. So I don't even know why White Sox fans right. talk about it's like, yeah, it doesn't, that's like totally off my radar. Yeah, I don't think they're trading Colson Montgomery. Um, the thing that's interesting is 40-man space, and we talked about it. Uh, Lenin Sosa, Jose Rodriguez, guys people know, Brian Ramos, Gilbert Sanchez. All four of them need to be added to the 40-man this winter uh, to be protected from Rule 5. I don't think all four of them are going to be protected. So that might be, you know, like some of your, your prospects that are moved. Like if you go get a, a starter from somewhere and it's Brian Ramos and one of your pitchers, like don't be surprised by that. Um, you know, it's but I think they have enough to get what they need. They're, I don't think they're gonna get like Luis Castillo, but I mean, you want Jose Quintana back? They can probably get him if you want him. You know, somebody's a left-handed reliever on a bad team. I think they need a left-handed bat. I just I don't know where that guy's gonna play. You'd probably have to sit Pollock to play that guy. So. Yeah, I'm not really that. I don't think they'll trade any. I don't think they'll trade anybody that will be heartbroken over, um, because it's you know it's a bottom five system and you're trying to win. And so you said you don't think they're going to get Luis Castillo. And sorry for saying that. I was going to have one last question, but um, is that because the White Sox don't have enough, or they're not going to include the players necessary to get Luis Castillo? Yeah, probably the latter. I mean, could they get him with Colson Montgomery headlining? Maybe. I just like. I don't know. I, I guess I just assume that other contenders will be able to beat them for a guy that high end. Um, I think the other guy in Cincinnati is interesting, but he's hurt, right? Tyler Malley or Maley. Um, the White Sox have always kind of liked him. So, you know, maybe he's a guy. I think they need a starter, though. I mean, Lance Lynn's clearly not himself. Will he bounce back? Possibly. Um, but Michael Kopech's going to be limited going forward, too. So I just, I just think they need another starter. Um, it doesn't have to be an ace, but that's why I'm really curious to see how much they're willing to move and like how big of a move they try to make. Yeah, I mean, Kopech's at 83 innings, and we talked, I know you, you had some thoughts on this before and during the offseason on where he might be. I mean, 135, is that like you think his cap, Kopech? Yeah, I mean, what did he throw last year, 70? Yeah. 69, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 120 is 50 more than that. So Jeez, right. That's what I mean. Like, I... I don't know, man. Yeah, like 130, 130. I mean, and if you push into that, like, is he starting a playoff game for you? My thought is, like, he's a short-inning, like, reliever. and Not a short, you know, he can come in and get you three innings in a playoff game, and hopefully you don't have to start him in a three-game series, right? Because I think as of right now, anyway, you'd start Cease Giolito and uh, maybe Johnny Cueto in a, in a three-game series, depending on your opponent, you know, and you have Lance Lynn, and maybe you get somebody. So, yeah, I, I think... Kopech goes into like a, a relief role at some point, but if you're going to start him every five days, like he's going to rack up in it. And at some point something's going to have to give. Cause you know, that old, like Tom Verducci has got his whole method, but it, it's, it's like proven out. You just, you can't add that many innings. Like after, you know what I mean? Like he's not throwing 140. Um, so at some point they're going to have to dial back. 
All right, that's James Fox from Future Socks. You can follow him on Twitter at JamesFox917. Him and Mike Rankin put out weekly episodes on the Future Socks podcast feed. Uh, they did a great job and a ton of great previews leading up to the draft. Uh, I listened to the one with Joy Doyle, Joy, Joe Doyle of Prospects Live. That one was great. I listened back to the one with Phil Selig of Cuba Dugout as well. Mm. That was fantastic. So make sure you listen to the Future, Fox, Future Socks podcast um, with James Fox and Mike Rankin. And we really appreciate your insight and uh, expertise, James. You were great. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, James. Again, follow him on Twitter, at JamesFox917. What a smart man. Oh, yeah. Just, like, I like the White Sox, and I know of the White Sox. And I cannot imagine knowing the White Sox like he does, the current team, and then all the players down in the minor leagues. Like, all of them. Like, he has information to all of them. Him, Mike Rankin, what they throw, how they throw it, what people are saying about him. It's like... The wealth of knowledge that those two guys have, you should be following them if you're interested in what the White Sox farm system is. Because I've been told, like, the White Sox are the bare-bottom farm system. And then these guys, you know, they say, yes, they are, but they have people. Colson Montgomery's, you know, carrying the entire farm system on his back, apparently. On his (laughs) six-foot-three slight frame. 180 back. Getting the job done. That's Herb Lawrence. I'm Sean Anderson. We're going to get into the uh, White Sox, the first half grades, and all of that stuff. Again, thank you so much to James Fox for joining us. We see everybody in the chat hanging out with us. Our Alex's, we see KPW, we see Dave. Uh, shout out to you guys. Again, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two or three bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. You make $50 or more first-time deposit or receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 for free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from a CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at CHGO at you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And PointsBet's your home for live and play betting, and it's just got even better. If you see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs with the PointsBet app. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner is our good friends over at Owen. I learned about him from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. When Herb is out at the softball game tonight, he is going to come back into the dugout and drink one of the cool, refreshing Owens he brought, whether it be the chocolate one, whether it be the vanilla one, whether it be the strawberry banana one, whether it be the salted uh, caramel one, Herb is going to re refueling with the best plant-based protein shake out there and that's why justin fields uses it that's why i use it that's why chgo uses it and owen and chgo have partnered up to give you an awesome offer you can get 20 percent off your first purchase at liveowen.com. that's l-i-v-e-o-w-y-n.com and with code chgo20 you can get 20 percent off your first purchase again at liveowen.com. join me and justin fields and try owen only what you need all right we got a super chat her before we move on to white Sox data uh andrew bajek I think was in the wrong chat and asked James Fox what he thought of the Cubs so far. I didn't want to overwhelm him. We kept adding on questions. So we are bringing on our Cubs expert uh, to help out Andrew here. It's Cody Del Mendo. Uh, hello, Cody. Guys, I, th- I did not expect this to happen today, but... Uh, it's your debut on the yeah. CHGO White Sox I'm podcast. also in, sitting in Steven's producer seat, and this is different. So I, I feel <laughs> weird that I have to like look at the camera and 
Yeah. We'll get you out of here quick. Just yeah. real quick. What do <laughs> you thought? What have you thought so far on the, what do the Cubs have done? Uh, so they've taken like all pitchers except for one, one pick. I think they took a two way player uh, that I think is, they said he's a shortstop or a right handed pitcher. So who knows what he's going to be. Um, they also just drafted Mark McGuire's son. So now the, the real question is, go. is who will return to Wrigley field first, Sammy Sosa or Mark, Mark McGuire's son. Uh, that's the real question here at this point in the draft. That, that's where I'm at. Uh, Mark McGuire's kid's going to come up and wear 21. That's, what, that's where you're at. Probably. Um, yeah. He's, he's going he's gonna to use the, the right jersey number. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, Cody, for uh, jumping in and giving us it, that recap. Yeah. Uh, and I guess another thing, the, the seventh pick, I guess he was kind of taken. a lot of people said he was taken too early, but then they got the 19th. Uh, number the number 19 prospect at 47. I don't really understand the draft. All I know is that they've just taken a bunch of arms. So. There you go. All right. Well, thank you very much, Cody Domundo. Very great insight. And you can follow uh, the CHGO Cup show. Uh, him and Luke Stuckmeyer are going to be doing it at 3.30? Yeah, 3.30. There you go. And also, we're going to be with them tomorrow. Yes, we are. For the live All-Star game, uh, pre- and post-game show. Should be a blast with Luke Stuckmeyer, Cody Domundo, Herb Lawrence, and myself. Uh, we get to watch TA. He's batting, I think... Eighth or like seventh, they got him disrespecting him. Seventh, yeah. Jimenez from Cleveland is above him, and uh, good old Kirk Alejandro Kirk is uh, batting ninth. Disrespect. Dusty doesn't know how to construct a lineup. Did you see what uh, Dusty said about the uh, All American League All Star starter Shane McClanahan? What do you say? I have never seen him pitch. He literally. (laughs) That's stop it. And quote from Jeff Passan: I have never seen him pitch. Dusty's been the manager of the Houston Astros since 2020. Doesn't matter. Ugh. Doesn't right. matter. He's busy. All right. He hasn't seen him pitch, Herb. I mean, Dusty's busy. Makes sense. Oh, man. I mean, they only see him six times a year. Maybe McClanahan gets skipped both times. Um, but, yeah, I am excited about the All-Star game. I'm excited about our broadcast we're going to do with the Cubs guys. We did it earlier in the year where we had the Crosstown Classic. We dominated. Cody was sad. Yeah. Uh, Luke was all right, but it's going to be a good time to see the two White Sox and the two Cubs. Yeah, those bum-ass team got two team got two uh, players into the goddamn All-Star Who's team. Who's the second one for the Cubs? Hap? Ian Hap. Oh, there you go. Congrats yeah. to Hap. All right, uh, what do you think about Liam making it in over Dylan? Are you fine with <sighs> it? It's just dumb. No, I'm not. I'm not besmirching Liam. He's had a good year. Dylan Cease is an elite pitcher this year. He leads the whole league. Every pitcher in the league, Dylan Seeds has the most strikeouts in the league with his 150. He is third in earned run average in the American League, only behind uh, aforementioned Rue McClanahan and Justin Verlander, who is not pitching. Who I said once, Dusty said initially early last week, uh, Justin Verlander will not pitch. I was like, all right, cool. Starter for starter. Put in the one of the best starters in the game. Dylan C should be there. And uh, somebody said on Twitter, it's like, Dylan should just travel to L.A. Just <laughs> go there and have a ticket, like right where uh, Mary Hart usually sits, right behind uh, home plate. And just look. Just have his hands <laughs> folded up. It's like, Very nope. sexy mustache. Nope. That guy sucks. I'm much better than him. Like, if you look at the pitchers. And sexy mustache. All the ERA pitchers, the only one you see, even American League, National League, which he's sixth overall in ERA, all those pitchers above and below him are going to at Los Angeles. Dylan Cease will be somewhere in the woods of Georgia playing disc golf pissed. 
hey, I'm fine with it. Go get the Cy Young kid. Uh, you can go bet on that on points bet at plus fourteen hundred right now. Just go win some money and 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 go win yourself a Cy Young. Did you already bet on it before this? I've not bet on it yet, so uh, I think we're going to be doing that on a CHGO plus fourteen hundred is good value still. Oh, some great value. And uh, again, let's just go back to uh, James Fox. That was a fun conversation. Uh, just want to wrap it up. I, I do like what the White Sox have been doing. I trust Mike Shirley, so I'm not too worried about this. Um, it's really mainly about developing the guys, but I think that's why they're picking guys with, as James said, high ceilings or really great stuff or great tools already, and then just refining them. Like Noah Schultz, you have to add velocity to his fastball, with the, with the white, which with the White Sox have proven uh, they've been able to show, and just make sure that his mechanics are clean and straight line. That's what you have a pitching lap for. So I think it's a very interesting pick for Noah Schultz. And, hey, if the theory's right that they got a favor from Scott Boris, Use it, you know, even if that's what it is. Uh, Carlos Rodon's gone, so at least get something. Uh, mend my broken heart in some way. Um, and then Peyton Pellet, um, again, they get a first-round talent, and that's that's all that I care about. You know, as long as you're able to get two first-round talents in the MLB draft, which I think that they did from hearing about the, the way that people are talking about them, I think they did a good job so far. Yeah, and me knowing very little about the draft and these players in particular, getting anybody that is – that talented, that big, like he had like a point like oh one uh, in Schultz like ERA like one earned run the whole damn year. And I know he's going against high school kids, but he's a high school kid too, dominating the level there. Must feel good. It must have. He must already have plus stuff. And you said all he probably needs to add is some actual MLB muscle, some MLB miles per hour, which he's eighteen. He'll do that just naturally. So, yeah, we'll be in the house with that that guy. If he can repeat his motion, find a way where Ethan Katz is working with him in the offseason because he's a first-round pick. I need this kid to project, what, f- probably four or five years out if he's a, yeah. if he's that thin of a frame. And that young. He needs a slider that's probably going with that that's oh, MLB his, ready, his, ready. His slider's ready. His slider's But it's like high 70s. Uh, seven, I think it was slider, like 83. Right? Okay, if you, that's it cool. It sets you off. I mean, uh, his, I think his not, if he was pumping 92 consistently over the summer. He got up to 97. So I think his I think his slider back in May was around 79 or so. So I think it's around that up 80, a little bit more, 82 yeah. or something. Oh, right there. We're good to go. I see this kid as a uh, good roll of the dice. I mean, the last time they did take a high school kid, a starting pitcher, was another local area kid in Chris Honnell from Providence. Hopefully it works a little bit better than Chris, but uh, I'm I'm thumbs up with this. Mike Shirley has done some drafts, as you were uh, stating earlier with James, that I'm fine with just on the surface. Well, and also, I mean, the the pick from uh, who was it again? Uh, 2001, Honnell. Oh, uh, 2000. Yeah, it's Chris Honnell. Honnell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Honnell ran into shoulder problems. He was pitching well, ran into shoulder problems, and you know that was 20 years ago. And we now got 20 more years of science, data, and and better technology to, to help out injuries. So uh, the fact that he hasn't had Tommy John too, uh, you know, I think is appealing to, to most people. And even though Tommy John isn't really the killer uh, that it has been uh, for for pitchers uh, recently. But let's jump into some first gra- uh, first round, first half grades. I can't talk today. After we tell you about FOCO, FOCO is Chicago sports fans home for their best sports coverage. I'm sorry, Chicago sports fans, your best home for the Chicago 
Can we, uh, Three, Steve, we got two, a, we got a reverse. We got a, a like a reverse. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Chicago sports fans, your home for the best Chicago sports coverage is partnering with a leader in the sports marketing, market merchandising and collectible world. CHGO has teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around. Whether it's Bears, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, FOCO has something for you, your kid, a friend, or a loved one. If you're looking for some new gear, collectibles, or accessories, FOCO has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. FOCO has you covered with the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite team. Head over to FOCO.com, that's F-O-C-O.com, or click the link below in the YouTube description. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off, again, at FOCO.com, that's F-O-C-O.com, or click the link below in the YouTube description. All right, and hey, what's up, little yumper? Thank you for the super chat. Happy Monday. Hope you guys are enjoying your damn Monday. And uh, it's it's a Tuesday for us, Herb. We will be working on Friday, though, because we got Wednesday off. Yes, we do. We there do. You know. And uh, I appreciate you. I don't even think he's a White Sox fan. I think he's a Cubs fan. I he's a Cubs fan. But he's just a, he's an all, I mean, he's a CHGO member. He's a great guy, man. So, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a great guy, a great CHGO member, and, and a great supporter of the podcast. But let's jump into our first half grades. And Little Yumper's a member uh, at allchgo.com. If you go to allchgo.com, become a member, you get a free t-shirt and you get access to Vinny Duber's articles. Vinny Duber is usually with us, but he's on his all-star break, enjoying that out of state. We are hoping he's having a good, fun time. Uh, but we are going to be doing first half grades because Vinny just went through all of the players on the White Sox roster and gave them first half grades. So why don't we copy his idea and do what he did. Now, we won't give you any of his grades or any of his descriptions because he took the time and wrote about them and, and posted them. Uh, so all CHGO members can check that out now. But Herb and I will go through our list and give out our grades. Herb, we're going to start with an easy one. Jose Abreu. A+. Plus. There you go. Uh, 90 games. He's batting 304, 387, 470 with 12 homers, 54 RBIs, and 52 runs. That's pretty damn good. I would agree with you. Jose Abreu, A+. Plus. And Herb, we haven't even gotten to August yet. So what is August Abreu going to do? Oh, goodness gracious. It is his best month by far. He is going to obliterate the competition. And remember, the White Sox have a weak schedule coming up, and especially in August, when you can see Jose Abreu just go for that MVP that he got in 2020. And they can say, hey, you guys saw it. That was a Mickey Mouse in 2020. Now look at this shit. <laughs> in my last year, I'm about to go and bounce. I'm still winning the MVPs, carrying the White Sox to the playoffs. So Jose Abreu, in uh, all of his months, has hit and, uh, has had an OPS of 800. Uh, his highest is uh, September, October, 867. July, 845. May, 835. June, 834. April and March, 800. We go through all of this to tell you because in August, he has an OPS in his career of 994. Boom! Not only is it the only month he has an OPS above 900 but it is basically 1000 in 215 games boom and the guy's gonna play 30 of them in august uh this team's red hot i've missed baseball i, I miss baseball already i wish there was baseball tonight there's no baseball we just got to watch the home run derby uh her this guy will be in the game on tuesday he is the starting al shortstop it's tim anderson what grade are you giving to tim Whew. only because the airs a minus Bunch of errors, a lot of lackadaisical plays, sometimes not running off balls that are third strikes at the end of the game. A-minus. 
that's the only reason I'm giving him an A minus. Otherwise, it would have been a straight A plus. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, he obviously hasn't been the best since he came back from the injury. But one thing I got to credit with him, uh, Tony Larissa said that he wouldn't be playing a ton in this uh, last seven day stretch. He played all eight games, and yeah. I know people have been ragging on Tim for not playing, but I do think Tim is going to give his full effort to this team. I will give him an A- minus because he hasn't been the usual Tim. He hasn't been great, but also he's still an all-star starter, he's a and he all-star. still has very similar stats to where he has been, so I don't want to be too overcritical. He's still been Tim Anderson. He's been consistent enough doing his job. He had a huge home run drought until he hit one the other day in Minnesota. So, yeah, he's. I think he's better than what he's even shown, even though the numbers are great, too. Right. Past 25 games, he's hitting 243, 288, slugging 288 for an OPS of 576. That's not good, but his numbers on the year, uh, 310, 351, 416, that will play, and I'm probably sure that the guy will play uh, not like the past 25 games. He'll probably be playing like the previous, you know, 60-something or 50-something for Tim Anderson. Next up, Tanner Banks. I'm going to give Tanner Banks, uh, let's go with a B, a solid B. He uh, started off really hot initially. His story is awesome where he's a 30-year-old rookie. And he, as our only lefty in the bullpen currently, he's done a serviceable, if not awesome job. So I'll give him a B. He's done serviceable job. I'm definitely not going to say awesome. I'll say serviceable. Uh, 38 and one-third innings. He's got an ERA of 305. Uh, I just haven't loved seeing him in games, but he's got an ERA of 131. I can't complain about the results. I guess I hate the process, Herb, and not the, the results. I'll give, hey, him a, I'll give him a B. That's your grade, man. Hey, you, your grade. you know, he's Agent, Agent uh, Tanner Banks. We got we to gotta give him some love. Uh, Jake Berger. Where are we giving uh, Jake Berger on the year? Jake Berger, I will give a solid C. He's been awesome with the bat, better than I thought, but his glove is just horrid, just horrendous. Uh, yeah, I'll give him a C on the season. Yeah, this year, 250, 302, and slugging 458. He's got eight home runs, which was leading the Sox for a bit there, an OPS plus of 113. He's proven that he is a DH. He's just not a hitter. Um, so I'll give him a B- minus because it's not really his fault that Yoan Moncada was hurt and he was forced to play third base. So I think that... He was forced into situations that wasn't the best for him. The fact that there's a universal DH, I think that he's proven that he could be an MLB player. So I'll give Jake Berger a B minus, but uh, I'm definitely with you. And also, too, it feels like whenever he would make the uh, mistakes in the field, he would make up for it for hitting a home run. So he was usually pretty good at making himself up for uh, for it. So uh, let's go to the next guy, Dylan Cease. What are you giving him? A plus. Yeah. A plus. I mean, the guy has been better than even I thought. Like, I know he had 200 strikeouts last year, but... He's taken it to the next level. Uh, he had a little struggles in the middle, but since that game with the Dodgers, I believe, or a little bit before that, earned runs have been very low. The strikeouts have been very high. The guy is still going to be on a revenge tour for not naming him All-Star. The best is yet to come for Dylan Cease. Tied for the MLB lead in game starts. Tied for the MLB lead. or t- uh, He just has the lead in strikeouts at 150, and he does have the lead for most walks, but that's because he's not allowing a lot of hits. He's allowed 76 hits in 104 and two-thirds innings. He's been fantastic this year. Easy A-plus for Dylan Cease, and I think it's only getting better for him. The way that he has increased his slider usage uh, has just been a revelation. And we are seeing next level stuff from Dylan C's easy A plus for him. Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto, I would go with. Come on, do it. I'm just going with the A. He, I mean, I will reserve the A pluses for the best of the best. He is 
better than I expected, but I don't give him an A plus because he come on he's fine. He's <laughs> he's doing much better than I expected. He's probably the Sox second best pitcher if we're talking about the first half. So yes, I'm giving him an A. I think A plus a reserve for the best, and I don't think he's the best pitcher on the White Sox, which is Dylan Cease. I would that's fair. I would think it'd be cheap in Dylan Cease's season if you give Johnny Cueto an A plus two. I think it's all about expectations. Dylan Cease has lived up to the expectations and honestly surpassed the expectations. Okay. That's why I think he's an A plus. I understand that's yours, cool. um, but we're not doing a tier ranking. We're giving out grades everybody can get an a plus johnny cueto is the second best pitcher on the white Sox this year yeah what the fuck when when <laughs> at what point did you ever think that was going to be possible uh he's got a 280 era he has 10 starts of six innings or more he's done the damn thing herb we yes. have asked him to do what we wanted from dallas keichel and he's doing it better than dallas keichel ever did a plus he's johnny doing cueto it, rules he's doing it better than i would have expected lucas giolito would have done this is a better season than even if Lucas had these numbers. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. a little bit better. But Johnny Cueto has these numbers, which is, whew, what are we doing here? Seriously. Yes, I will just give him an A. So it's something for him to hang on his, uh, his locker room. He's like, fuck that herb. And I love <laughs> horses, too. Next up, Adam Engel. He had a great weekend in Minnesota going 7 for 13 on the year. He's got a batting average of 256, 309. 375 and OPS of 684. Uh, he's worth uh, one win this year, uh, according to Baseball Reference War. What are you giving out to Adam Mingle? C plus, solid C plus. He's he's been fine, nothing special. He had a great weekend in the stead of Luis Robert, but that's what moved him up. I had him initially like a C minus C, C plus. Yeah, the power's been down for Ingle uh, 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 this year, but the health has been a little bit more consistent for him. Uh, he's got nine stolen bases, only two home runs. Um, he has been a little bit disappointing. I'm going to go with C- minus just because that bat hasn't lived up to where it was last year, and he has been. I mean, even in 2020, he had a, an 811 OPS. He had an 832 OPS in 2021. Maybe he's getting to it. Maybe this is him waking up in Minnesota, which would be great for the White Sox, but his bat hasn't been to the level where it has been replaced placement level his defense is clearly there his yes. defense is superior uh but when his bat is clicking i mean this white Sox lineup is clicking at another level just because they have that guy coming off the bench so i'll give ingle a c minus but he's still been all right matt foster what do you give him matt foster Oof. i earlier in the year i would have gave him an e easy a nowadays he cannot be necessarily relied on so i'm gonna give him a c minus C-minus, yeah, C-minus with Matt Foster. Yeah, it, it's all about expectations with me, and he's just been, you know, he was su really surprising, like you said, definitely worth uh, an A grade in the first, like, 13 games. He had a .6 ERA, but ever since then, it's just been downhill for Matt Foster, and he hasn't found that exact, you know, kind of uh, je ne sais quoi he had, a uh, 7.15 ERA uh, in his last 26 games, so that hasn't been good. I'll give him a D just because he was so good, Hasn't found it out, and, and really he's just kind of a detriment to the Sox at this point. I'd rather see Kyle Crick uh, than Matt Oof. Foster in the White Sox bullpen. Uh, hey, uh, I, I think there's still Would something there what? with Kyle Crick. Don't worry. <laughs> Next up, he's a legend, Leary. I'm going to go with Leary, uh, as I famously don't like him. I'm going to go with a D. Like, he's got a couple game-winning hits, but it's not his fault that the manager keeps on playing. I mean, yesterday was a great example of what Lurie is when you play him way too much. Mix an air at an easy double play, which turned out to be no outs. 
because Lurie doesn't tag second or he gets rid of the ball before he tags second. And then he just does things like that all the time. So, yes, Lurie has not hit this year. His defense has been subpar. I'll give him a D. I won't fail him as yet. You're, you're being real nice. Um, and you're hey, fail him. Okay. He, he was good in the outfield, and then he moved to set, uh, shortstop, so he proved his white worth to the White Sox um, in yesterday's game. But, uh, yeah, I am going to give him an F. Okay. He has been the worst Steven player Grace. in baseball um, at some point this year, uh, and I don't think that he – I think that's a, a competition he'll be fighting in for a long time. Uh, Leary is one of the worst baseball players right now in Major League Baseball, and that's – no offense to him. He seems like a hard worker. Seems like a good dude. Vinny, Vinny Duber always talks highly of him. Seems like he's a very genial person in the, uh, in the clubhouse. But, smiles uh, a lot. Yeah, dude stinks at baseball. Uh, he's just not next level. And by the way, um, I was away a couple days, so thank you to Sam Sherman. Thank you to Alex Rude, and thank you to Steve, the drunk fa- uh, fan Steven, Steve-O. For That's a real smiley picture from uh, Steve. Yeah, coming in and uh, doing an awesome job. Appreciate it, guys. I really appreciate you guys doing some great work in our stead. And yesterday's show was on flame because of the <laughs> great weekend that the White Sox had. A lot of viewers, a lot of ears, a lot of eyes. So thank you for staying in, uh, standing in in this jerk spot. Well, it's why I miss baseball because I just want to talk baseball with you. I just want to keep watching White Sox games because it was so fun with uh, Alex and Sam and, and Steve. Uh, missed you, but it's also fun to see kind of the uh the power of white Sox twitter and oh, yeah and, and the white Sox world seeing all these guys be able to step in and i mean we got such a deep roster we tried to get zell on zell uh had to be reminded of something by his wife uh so he couldn't jump in mike rankin's been a uh, big time in me so uh you know we gotta we gotta figure out something with his big busy schedule you know we still got a lot of people I mean, to we, get got, on. we got this whole week where it's just me and you right so, so we can bring another person in well we'll figure it out you know and uh and Thank we're you, lucky to have uh vinnie on there and uh yes a plus for her that's that's the easiest grade we're giving out all day uh but leary gets an f that's the second easy one uh hey, oh no and i forgot while i was away somebody in this room not steven not myself won socks math you know why because he's the math guy on this show i'm the math guy that's what they always say that guy that's what they always say that I guy won socks math i don't the know next white Sox game you see that guy will be doing the video saturday game one i have no idea what we're doing do whatever you you you're brilliant. You know, in the 108 oh, tournament, you. you came up with some good stuff, especially the coach stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what I end up busting out. But uh, let's keep the podcast going. We don't have to celebrate my win, you know, again. <laughs> uh, Lucas Giolito, what are you giving Lucas? Oh, God, this one's a tough one for me. I'm going to go with the B. No, I'm going to go with the C for Lucas Giolito. A C, a straight C. Average. He should be better than he is. He's shown flashes of, I don't have good stuff, but I'm battling through this. And a couple times, the manager left him in a little bit too much, so he got exposed, and his ERA is inflated because of said uh, games. So I'll give him a C, because I think the guy is better than the numbers that he has shown. I think the guy is better than the numbers that he's shown. That's why I think he's a D right now because I think he can be much, much better than where he currently is. And he's shown that over his past couple games. I mean, it's not like it's been all bad for Lucas Giolito. He was very good at the start of the year, um, then hit a little bit of a rough patch, but it feels like he's cleaned some things up. Past three starts, 284 ERA, uh, 20 strikeouts in 19 innings, uh, only five walks as well. So it feels like he's cleaned up some things, and it feels like Lucas 
old Lucas might be back, and that's a hell of a lot better than what we saw uh, in the first half of the All-Star break. And we saw this last year from Lucas as well. Um, you know, he struggled in the first half and ended up picking it up in the second half. So hopefully we'll see that change as well this year. Yasmani Grandal, what are you giving him? 50 games so far for Yasmani. Is there an incomplete? If yeah, there's not, I'm giving an F then. He's getting an F. He's been shit as a defender. His hitting has been gone, non-existent with the White Sox. He's an F. Yeah, uh, I can't say it any better than that. Uh, he's got five extra base hits. He has 32 hits. He's got 15 RBIs. He's got an OPS plus of 54. Uh, he's trash. been real damn bad. Absolutely so, trash. Uh, Still better than the minors right now. Hopefully he turns it around. He is, uh, but he has also got 54 strikeouts to 27 walks. We're grading on the first half. The second half better be much better for uh, for, for Yasmani Grandal because the, uh, the first half was uh, trash, 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 garbage, garbage, trash. Uh, and hey, in the second half last year, he was killer. So maybe... Maybe just like Lucas, he'll be great uh, in the second half. First half last year, he hit 188, had an OBP of 388, and slugged 437 in the second half. 337, 481, 674. Where's that guy? I want that guy. He'll come back. We'll see. Uh, next up, Kendall Graveman. <sighs> I initially wanted to give him an A, and I remember in the tier rankings we did earlier in the bullpen, I gave him uh, he was a top-tier uh, guy. I'll say B plus. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna go A minus for Kendall Graveman. Right. A minus because sometimes I feel like he can't be hit, and then other times he's just wild and he does get hit. So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, A minus. Well, I think part of this too is he's gotten given up a decent amount of runs, but not earned runs. Um, in his past 14 games, he's given up five runs. And, you know, we obviously notice reliever runs more, but only two of them have been earned. So he's got an ERA of 129, but he's given up five runs in 14 innings in his past 14 innings. So I think part of that, too, is just the way the defense has unfolded. Um, yeah. He's given up a decent amount of walks here and there. Um, but overall, he's been really damn good and worth the money so far. In 40 and two-thirds innings pitched, he's got a 2.21 ERA, but the whip's at 1.3. Yeah. So I think that's why it doesn't feel like a dominant starter. Uh, I'll go with B-plus just because, uh, like Baloney says, uh, availability issues have been weird. Um, and then also, it hasn't been the cleanest of outings, but he has still gotten the job done. But Next. I always wonder if that's more Tony stuff, the availability. or it's, I know the Joe Kelly thing, which we'll get to, is specific contract stuff, but Graveman, I don't know if he can just go to two starts in a row or two uh, relieving appearance in a row, which he has. And I'm pretty sure, too, he used to be a starter. So I think it's kind of odd that, you know, I mean, it, hey, you know, now he's in a different routine and everything. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it is odd just seeing if it is health or if it is Tony. Uh, next up, Josh Harrison. Oh. It's like it's like that lady's face that when, she, the, when she does the, the, the kombucha. I'm like, mm. The sound you what? made was the exact, like, <laughs> that's for personification right. of the season. Is, uh, eh. He started his, off so bad, and he got so much better. His defense so, is A+. Plus. I'll put that. A-plus defense. But his offense initially was just so piss poor. I think he's worked his way up to a B-minus. Yeah. I, I think he's worked his way. Because his defense, like, no one can argue. Like, he's been much better defensively than I even came, I even thought about. And his offense lately since June? Mercy. So that's funny. Uh, so in the first half, in the first 35 games, I would give him an F minus. Yes. Uh, 35 games up to June 2nd. He hit 167, 248, 255 for an OPS of 503, right? He was worse than Leary. It was really, really ugly to watch him. And then since June 5th, 
Um, he has hit, and let me just get the uh, full numbers here. He's hit, uh, and this is correct because he just hit a home run as well. Um, he has an OPS over 900. So he's got an A-plus in the second half of the first half, and in the first half of the first half, he has an F-minus. Uh, OPS of 835. I said 900. I apologize about that. But 295, 359, slugging 476 for an OPS of 835. He has been great as of late. He's got uh, a, a 10 extra base hits and 31 hits as well. Um, so he's been driving the ball, and he is the White Sox best defender right now. So, uh, Herb, I think, uh, I think Josh Harrison... Gets a B minus just okay. because he he's playing great defense and uh, the fact that the hitting is coming around. I hope that that sticks around for him and he doesn't go cold again. But um, Josh Harrison, I'll go B minus. Liam Hendricks, all star. A. He yeah. started off rough. You said Herb, shut up, stop worrying about our goddamn closer. He'll be fine. And of course, Sean is right as uh, always is. Uh, and uh, Baseball Toss said we just drafted Michael Turner, the burner. Burner Turner from, from NIU. No, it's from Whoa. catchers from Arkansas. Michael the Burner Turner. You better be wearing thirty three. Um, I'll go with Liam Hendricks uh, with an A plus, uh, just because uh, I, I'm not going to blame him too much for the spring training. He was the first guy there, and still, you know, clearly the start of the season he still wasn't up to a hundred percent. That's not his fault. That's a lockout. And once he's gotten up to a hundred percent, he's been uh, as good as gold. So uh, I'm not worried about Liam Hendricks. He's I'll give him an A plus. Torn UCLO still and has been for fourteen years. Insane. Blows my mind. Uh, Aloy Jimenez. I'm going to give Aloy Jimenez uh, the, the toughest F I can give him. Uh, he has been not good. And he oft injured, which is not his fault necessarily. But he hasn't produced with the bat. Like, the thing that he usually does, he's not been doing this year. So, I'm going to give him an F. Because I love the guy, but he has not done the job. He's been frustrating to watch. I will go with a D minus just because health has been his concern. It hasn't been the cleanest season for him, um, but you're right. The results haven't been there. Uh, he's hitting the ball a decent amount, or uh, the, the ball hard a decent amount of times since he came back, but uh, still the timing isn't there yet. He has one homer and, uh, yeah, it's just it just hasn't been clean or pretty for him. So I'll go with a D minus, and we're still rolling with you know more injuries concerns with him. So it's been frustrating. Next up, Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly gets a D minus from me. Um, hasn't been there this year. I mean, lately his uh, performances have been a little bit better. But you can't like if you're going. He was the setup to the setup guy when we started this uh, year. Now it's not him. He's lost his job because he has not performed. He walks too many guys, and when he does get it over the plate, guys are centering him up and crushing it. So I think that the fact that Raylo has jumped him as the Setup guy to the setup guy gives me a D for Joe Kelly. The The signing has not been uh, fruitful as yet, but I have faith in him, especially in October games, to get the job done. Yeah, we'll see if uh, what, what happens come October, but since he blew the, uh, blew the game uh, July 8th against Detroit when Tariq Skubal was on the mound, he's pitched in four games and has an ERA of zero. So maybe he's figured something out, but uh, he has not been good so far for the Sox. I will give him an F. He's got a whip of two, basically, and that's uh, horrible for a reliever. So not on the Joe Kelly train right now. Michael Kopech. I'm going to give Michael Kopech a B. Um, he started off gangbusters, dominating guys, especially the Yankees in two consecutive starts. But since I think the Toronto start, where he got nine days off in between, he hasn't been the guy. And that could be because he has pitched the most innings by far 
in his professional career. He's been throwing the ball a lot this year, and you can see with the start in Minnesota, he's a little bit better, and the, the numbers are a little bit down, so I'm not going to be too hard on him because the performances have been lackluster, but I think he's in a dead-arm period and trying to pitch through it where, you know, a regular pitcher or the White Sox would probably shut him down for the all-star break and then give him a fresh start on the backside. And I hope in the second half he comes back and becomes that A pitcher. But B, B minus for me. Honestly, I'm going to give him a B plus just because he is making that journey to become a starter. I mean, it's not going to be the easiest of transitions. And he's still had some really good nights, and he hasn't really had any bad stinkers, right? He's, he's still been a very competitive pitcher for the Sox when he's been out there. And, and you, may, you know, James Fox is talking about possibly they move him into a reliever role. Um, I'm just thinking about all the first inning issues he's had, right? So maybe yeah. he's able to go into a relief role and, and find something that clicks. But, I mean, the, the guy's still in there. I think it's just all about regre- regaining that velocity and regaining uh, a little bit of that confidence. But I think he'll be fine. It's all about pitching through it and, and finding uh, what works for him. And it's it seems like dead arm a little bit with the knee issue. So hopefully this break right here allows him to recover. And, hey, he was up to 95.5 uh, averaging, which is his second highest. Uh, this year um, for average velocity. Actually, I think it's his, uh, his third highest uh, this year, average velocity. So that was great to see. So shout out to Kopech on that one. I'll give him a B plus. Right now, though, Lopez, this one I think is easy. A. Yep, A. Uh, he's been fantastic, electric. He, I got no, I got no concerns. This Either. guy's dotting 100 on the outside corner. He's throwing a nasty slider, and uh, he's been nails for the Sox this entire year. Yep. Lancelin. What else is to give him? I mean, Do I have to go there? F. He is not the pitcher that left us last year top five in Cy Young voting. You've not been even come close to the pitcher that we've seen. So, yeah, F. All right, we got, I think, five more here. Uh, We're going to go to Yoan Moncada. D. He defense has been good. He's been picking it up, and we've seen in Minnesota series, he looks more like the guy. But, no, his... First half as a total has not been Yoan Moncada. And so I expect much more out of him. D for Yoan Moncada coming out of me. Herb's expecting you to be a top five third baseman in the majors. You are not that, Yoan Moncada. But yeah, last nine games, 324, 390, 541. So maybe he's turning around. I'm not sure, Herb, but uh, I agree with you. Uh, I'll go with a D grade for Yoan Moncada. We're going to go to AJ Pollock next. <sighs> I would right there, D. Yeah. He's, he's not a guy that we were sold on. I was in favor and still in favor of the trade they did for Craig Kimbrell, but A.J. Pollock really hasn't done a lot for this White Sox team. I thought it was a great value for Kimbrell. I didn't think they were going to get uh, a player that was this good, but he just hasn't been this good. I don't think that's really the Sox fault. I don't really think that's I don't know if it's Pollock's fault, but he just really hasn't found a rhythm this year. And he doesn't play a lot, so that might be part of why his offense is not there yet. He was supposed to solve right field, and he plays left field. I mean, what the fuck? Um, so I, I, I'd say, you know, giving him a D is fair just because uh, it hasn't been the best fit for Pollock, and I don't think that's really Pollock's fault. Uh, Luis Robert. <sighs> this one's going to hurt you guys. Um, I'm giving him a C. He has... Peaks and valleys where the guy should be better. I expect a lot more out of Luis Robert. A lot more. He should be better than he was in the first half. A C 
for Luis Robert. He's hitting 301, 334, 461 on the year. He's got an OPS plus of 124. MLB average is 100. He leads the homer, uh, the team in homers with 12, and that was a monstrous grand slam that he hit. The Fast first, and hard. Yeah, the, 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 the first grand slam the Sox had uh, all year with the bases loaded. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even in, you know, 74 games this year, he has less hits than he had last year. He's got less doubles. He's got less homers. And, you know, he's played 74 games this year, and he's got 68 played last year. It's just not the same player. He doesn't have the same plate discipline, or he's not having the same success where guys are throwing him fastballs early in the count. I think that there's a turnaround there for him. I think that he can figure it out. It's just not there yet. He's just not been patient enough. So, Robert, now he's dealing with lightheadedness, and that's concerning. But uh, I, I'd give him a C just because he hasn't been up to where we thought. We thought he'd be MVP level, and he just has not been that so far. Gavin Sheets. I'm going to give Gav a C-. minus. Just he's coming up, uh, doing things after he has been demoted to uh, Charlotte. He has been a better player. But initially, he was not a good player, and they kept on throwing him out there. He's not a right fielder. They keep on doing him out there, but that's not his fault. They're like, okay, play right field. It's like, what is he going to argue? Um, he's the White Sox power bat from the left side, especially since Yoan, especially since Yasmani haven't showed up as yet. C minus. Yeah, and he hasn't been like he's been good, but he hasn't been great. Since he got back from Charlotte, 260, 325, slugging 452. Not going to complain about the slugging there. Uh, he's got eight extra base hits out of his 19 hits, so that's good to see. But an OPS of 777, uh, it's an improvement, and glad to see him making those improvements once he's gone down to Charlotte. But still, uh, I, I think we overrated Gavin Sheets. I'd give him a C just because I think that uh, part of the expectations and part of the, uh, the part that people are frustrated with him is just because the expectations were set a little bit too high. I think the White Sox should have just – been a little bit more, uh, what's it called, cash-friendly, and uh, spent some more on the market. And yes. then, and then I, I think they would have helped their team a lot better, and, and Gavin Sheets would have been able to develop rather than be pushed into a certain scenario. Sorry going long, Steven. Final guy, Andrew Vaughn. A. Not A+. Plus, oh, a. There you go. He's been better than I thought, and to play the position of designated hitter for the most part for this White Sox team and do still well with the bat is a skill that very rare people have. He's an A hitter. I still think he's the best hitter. Jose Abreu saying, fuck you, Herb. I'm the best hitter. <laughs> but, yeah, A for Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I was, you know, really trying to push for Andrew Vaughn as an all-star at a certain point there. Uh, back in June, the middle of June, he was the White Sox best hitter. Um, he has run into a little bit of a drought here, 232, 281, and slugging 402 in his last 21 games. But he also just had a monstrous series yep. in Minnesota. So I feel like Andrew Vaughn might be back. I will give him an A. Um, he's had a lot of pressure put on him as a young player, and he has lived up to it. Um, and it's not his fault that he plays horrible, horrible defense out in left field because he's not a left fielder. <laughs> yes. He has one of the worst outs above average on the team because he's not a left fielder. So, I, again, it's it's the White Sox team construction that uh, free, you know frustrates me, but uh, it's not Andrew Vaughn's fault that the team was uh, constructed poorly, but he's I, been hitting the ball. And I think uh, Chris Kampka had pointed out that he is either first time in a long time or first time ever that a four-game set in Minnesota, he had two RBIs mm -hmm. in each of those games. So, yeah. First he, time since uh, Frank Thomas in 97. I mean, when you're compared to one of the best, the best White Sox player of all time, you're doing something right. Someone, someone called him White Hurt, or I think it was Skinny Hurt. <laughs> um, 
What was Me- it? Medium hurt, I think, is what they little did. Little hurt? Um, I mean, little hurt is Craig Grayback. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we won't disrespect Craig. And white hurt is also Craig Grayback. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to figure. Cowboy. Cowboy hurt is uh, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, thank you for joining us on the CHGO White Sox podcast. We handed out our first half grades. We had James Fox of Future Sox join us and of Sox Machine. You can follow him on Twitter at James Fox 917. And uh, thank you very much for James and his time. Uh, he had really great insight and expertise to hand out. And we appreciate everyone for hanging out for a, a long time here. This is about uh, an hour 20 and we still got uh, people rolling in and, and hanging out. So we appreciate you. Shout out to Baloney. And Baloney, it's Dave. opposite. Sean gets the A+. plus. He does all the work here. I just oh. get on the camera and look pretty and say things. So A-plus for Sean, A-plus for Steven. I'll take my A. And uh, Tusk gets an F all the time. Not yes. All right. So I was going to be nice. I was going to give you an A-plus. You're an A-minus now for that Tusk comment. Sorry about that. Steven easily gets an A-plus. I'll take the A-plus. Thank you very much. That was very sweet of you. Uh, and obviously Vinny Duber. We'll give him an A-plus oh, yes. as well. So uh, A-plus first half for so CHGO I'm White Sox. You guys down. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> what are you singing? Sorry, I'm dragging you guys down. My, I mean, a a minus in high school. God damn, that would've been the shit. Hey, I mean, we're, we grade on a curve, you know. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's everyone, uh, but no, nah, I mean, we're, this is an A plus podcast. It's been an A plus first half. We appreciate everyone that hangs out with us uh, on a constant basis. Uh, Steve Sanders, uh, LP Tube, Dan from the two one nine, Dave Baloney, uh, KPW, who's from fucking Toronto, uh, Joe R, uh, you know, everybody, Brennan, yeah, Lil Yump, uh, everybody hanging out with us we really appreciate it and this has been a blast so far again we got the live all-star game pregame postgame show with luke cody of the chgo cubs podcast herb and i will be on that we'll be doing that at 6 30 tomorrow i think i think it's either 6 or 6 30 um we will be posting the uh the show schedule on uh twitter tomorrow so make sure you follow at chgo underscore sports anyways that is the a plus herb lawrence you can follow him on twitter at ecknerwall 23 he's the chgo white Sox community leader i'm sean anderson you can follow me on twitter at sean underscore w underscore anderson james fox was our guest you can follow him on twitter at james fox 917 thank you to steven for his production herb while we're going out brendan wants to know your pick for the home run derby i'm going with my guy julio rodriguez my guy oh. and our guy zoe all right, I will go uh, Kyle Schwarber versus Pete Alonso in the finals, and I will go Kyle Schwarber to win. Those are my picks. I don't think Julio Rodriguez is going to be able to beat Pete Alonso, but we will see. That will do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. Thank you for listening to our grades, and like Baloney said, A-plus for the 1979 album from Fleetwood and Mac, Tusk. It is a very, very great listen, and I, uh, you know, during this break, uh, this all-star break, I do really employ all, implore all of the listeners of the CHGO White Sox podcast to listen to Tusk, the 1979 album from Fleetwood Mac. Thank you very much. Go White Sox.